Section 4 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 4. All Sorts of Identifications. I am sorry to tell you, Mr. Jones, that the body of the woman murdered last night has been identified as that of your wife. So spoke Nick, and this time Jones's calmness was not proof against the surprise. It can't be possible, he exclaimed, leaping from his chair. I am so informed, said Nick, and I must place you under arrest. But there is some infernal mistake here, said the accused. I know that my wife is all right. This must be somebody else. A lady living in the same house with you has recognized the body. I don't care if she has. Nobody in that house knows my wife. Is there anybody in the city who does know her? I can't think of anybody. How about the grocer with whom you traded? Our servant attended to all that till she was taken sick. Since then, I've done what little there was to do. We've eaten most of our meals at restaurants. What restaurants? Oh, all around. There's the Alcazar, for instance, where we have sometimes dined together. Does the head waiter there know her? I suppose he would remember her face. He doesn't know the name. All right, I'll have him look at the body. But, man, you're going to let me look at it, aren't you? exclaimed Jones. That would settle it, I should think. I'll take you there now and we will try to get somebody from the Alcazar at the same time. Nick took the prisoner at once to the Alcazar. The head waiter remembered Jones's face. He had seen him dining with a lady who had beautiful light hair. The three went to the undertaker's rooms. Nick watched Jones narrowly as he approached the body. He started violently at the first sight of it. Then he became calm. The hair is wonderfully like, he said but there is no resemblance between the two faces. That is true, gentlemen, said the head waiter. This is not the lady. On the contrary, said a voice close beside them, I believe that this lady was your wife, Mr. Jones. All the color went out of Jones's face as he turned quickly toward the man who had spoken. Ah, Mr. Gottlieb, he said, I am surprised to hear you say that. Mr. Gottlieb is grocer from whom the Joneses bought their supplies, said Chick, who had advanced to Nick's side. I was not aware that you had ever seen my wife, said Jones, looking searchingly at the grocer. I never saw her plainly, said Gottlieb. She came into my store once or twice, but always closely veiled, so I cannot be sure. And, of course, if you insist that this is not your wife's body, I must be mistaken. "'You are mistaken, sir,' said Jones, coldly. He turned to Nick. "'Mr. Gottlieb has sealed my doom for the present,' he said, with a smile. "'I am ready to go with you.' Nick took his prisoner to police headquarters. The detective had meanwhile sent Patsy in quest of Harrigan, the coachman. Jones was taken into the superintendent's room, and a dozen other men were assembled there waiting for the arrival of the cabman. Harrigan was very nervous when he appeared. 
"'You's fellows are trying to do me out of my license,' said he. "'But I'm telling yer I was all right last night. "'I wasn't half so paralyzed as you think I was. "'Show me your man, and I'll identify him.' "'Harrigan was led into the superintendent's room. "'When he saw how many men were there, "'he seemed to be a great deal taken aback. "'But he put a bold face on the matter, "'and promptly advanced, saying, "'This is the man.' Nick made a gesture of disappointment, and then he laughed, and the superintendent with him. The man whom Harrigan had selected was Chick. It was evident that the cabman was going upon pure guesswork. Being sharply questioned, he confessed that he had no idea how his fare of the previous night looked. "'I'll give it to you dead straight,' said he at last. "'I don't know whether the mug was white or black. Say, he might have been a Chinese.' "'I believe that fellow is faking,' said the sergeant to Nick, as Harrigan left the room. "'No, he's straight enough, I guess,' said Nick. "'He's not the sort of man who would have been let into a game of this kind.' Nick then proceeded to question the prisoner in the presence of Chick and the superintendent. His answers were straightforward enough, but they threw little light upon the affair. The only subject which he refused to discuss was the whereabouts of his wife. When questioned about her, he invariably declined to speak. "'She's gone on a little pleasure trip,' he said, "'and I want her to enjoy it. "'This affair will be all over when she gets back. "'She'll never hear of it where she is, and that's as it should be.' Nick returned to his house, where he was informed that a visitor was waiting for him. He found a gentleman somewhat under forty years of age, and apparently in prosperous circumstances, pacing the study floor. The visitor was evidently greatly excited about something, for his hands trembled and he started nervously when Nick entered. Mr. Carter, he said, anxiously, can I trust you fully? Nick laughed. I shan't do anything to prevent it, he said. Will you swear to keep what I shall tell you a secret? No, sir, I will not. The man made a despairing gesture. "'I suppose that your business was always strictly confidential,' he said. "'So it is, but I take no oaths.' "'I didn't mean that exactly, but—but—' The man hesitated, stammered, and was unable to proceed. "'Come, sir,' said Nick, "'be calm. Tell me plainly what you want me to do for you.' "'It isn't for me. It's for a—' "'For a friend of mine.' "'Very well. What can I do for your friend?' "'He is accused of a terrible crime, of which he is entirely innocent. "'I want you to save him.' "'I have been asked to do that many times.' "'And you have always succeeded?' "'Oh, no. In several cases the persons have been hanged.' "'The visitor shuddered violently. "'I had heard,' he said, that you never fail to find the guilty persons and to save the innocent. That is the truth. It has been my good fortune to leave no case unsettled. But you said that these innocent persons had been hanged. They were hanged, said Nick, but they were not innocent. Their friends assured me that the persons were entirely guiltless, but it was not true. And therefore, Nick continued, looking straight into the man's eyes, I should advise you to be very sure of your friend's innocence 
before you put the case in my hands. The visitor looked very much relieved. I'm perfectly sure of it, he cried. My friend had nothing to do with this case. I'm glad to hear it. Who is he? The man who has been arrested in this restaurant murder case. John Jones? That is the name he has given to the police. But isn't that his right name? I... I don't know, stammered the visitor. He must be a very particular friend of yours, since you don't know what his name is. I never saw him in my life. Look here, Mr... Hammond is my name. Well, Mr. Hammond, your statements don't hang together. You began by saying that this man was your friend. I didn't mean that exactly, but I sympathized with him. It must be terrible to be arrested for such a crime, and to find the evidence growing stronger in spite of your innocence. How do you know that he is innocent? Before Hammond could reply, there came a knock at the door. Nick answered it. Come in, Gaspar, he said, throwing the door wide open. You sent for me, and... Good God! Who is this? You know him, then? Yes, yes, I know him, cried Gaspar. He is the man who was in room A last night. End of section 4 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona